clicked on the show title, then you probably already know of the importance of building your own internal media program. And why wouldn't you? With a cell phone in your pocket, it's become easier than ever to start recording videos and podcasts, and it's essential to most businesses and industries today, but it can be intimidating to build this out, and most companies that do start will give it up after a few months. But this is where the competitive advantage exists if you just simply keep at it. Welcome into another episode of the Digital Dispatch Podcast. I am your host, Blythe Brumley, covering how your favorite things and people get from point A to point B. In this episode, I'm breaking down five tips on how to start a media program within your company. You don't need a huge budget or a huge staff, but you do need to invest in learning about a high-level strategy before you get that in-house media program started. Let's dive in. to our first topic of what I mentioned, building your own in-house media program. And sort of the title speaks to the importance of building your own media company internal. And when you say building your own media company, it sounds a little intimidating. But more and more companies we are seeing do this where they're emphasizing, especially in the freight tech space, where they're emphasizing bringing in marketing personnel and prioritizing videos, podcasts, and controlling their own messaging, and then focusing that messaging on their customers and the problems that it's solving. It's essential to most businesses and industries, but very few within freight are taking advantage of this sort of goldmine of opportunity. And then it's also one of those things that when you start implementing this program, then you quit, you don't see immediate results. And then a lot of other companies will just quit after a few months after not seeing those immediate results. So that to me is a competitive advantage if you continue to focus on your internal media program. Because you know, if companies aren't doing it right now, and the companies that do start it are quitting so soon afterwards, because they're not seeing immediate results as if those exist in content marketing, then that can be your competitive advantage, just knowing that you just got to stick with it for longer than a few months. So that's what we're going to be talking about today is 5 tips to be building that in-house media program. So let's start with tip number 1. And this is so very important because you need to know the why behind of why you're starting an in-house media program. You want to develop... And the reason you want to is because you want to develop that internal personal relationship with your customers. Because if you have those internal personal relationships and you talk about it on camera with them, then that can give you insights not only into how your company is currently performing, how your company is is currently exceeding expectations or maybe falling behind on those expectations. And so that you can get deep firsthand knowledge right from your customers. And then it'll help you plan for the future in addition to helping your marketing and getting your brand messaging out. It sounds simple, but prioritizing these interviews and these chats with your customers will have you well ahead of the game and then using some bonus marketing material while you're at it. So if you're going to start this, know firsthand that you need to give it at least 6 months. Promise yourself and your staff that you're going to commit to it for at least 6 months. And then you can look at where you're at as far as performance-wise, as far as leads-wise, as far as how just the general reception of this new content is performing in the greater landscape of, of of your business and of not only just your product and service planning, but within your marketing messaging itself. Now, the next one, number two, you're going to want to secret shop your own 
company. I can't tell you how many times that people start a new content marketing initiative. Maybe they start a new podcast series or maybe they start a new lead campaign. It Just any marketing campaign in general, they start it and then they realize later on after the fact that some of their forms on their website weren't working. So when I say secret shop your own company, you need to go to your digital platform. So your social media platforms and your website. Test the process yourself. Fill out a form. Reach out to the sales team. See how that process works. Is anyone reaching out? Is anyone following up? How long does it take for them to follow up? So you want to secret shop your own company so you can find those little missteps before you start investing in any kind of marketing and any kind of advertising because you're going to waste a lot of money if you don't test this process yourself. So test it out yourself. Fix what's broken. And then you'll know whenever you, you'll know with confidence as you head into a, any new campaign that at least the functionality for the lead to convert on your digital platforms is performing as well. And even if you have a social media account and you don't really post to it, that's not how your users see it. When your users and your visitors and your leads, whenever they see that you have a social media account and you have even just a few posts that are up there, they expect to get a response on social media via DM. So if you have a profile that's out there that you're actively publishing to, or maybe semi-actively publishing to, then you need to make sure that you have an internal rep that's assigned to at least check those DMs, check those messages once every day, because it doesn't look good to do all of that hard work and then have that person try to convert or try to reach out and ask a question, and then nobody is there to follow up with them. So you want to make sure that you test your own processes first by secret shopping your own company. And then that way, you can fix any kind of minor issues that may pop up during that entire process. Then once you've tested out all of the forms, you know your why of why you're getting started or why you're starting this program to begin with. The third thing I want to as far as a tip is concerned, is to forget the vanity metrics. Forget the things that you know about marketing analytics and attribution. Your fancy HubSpot reports and Google Analytic reports are fine, but most of that technology, especially when it comes to marketing attribution, that software was built 10 years ago. And that software is built for an internet and a buying habits that were 10 years ago. I don't have to tell anybody that the, the way that people buy over the last couple of years has changed dramatically. We have access to so much information and so, so many different variables that your marketing attribution software is not going to be able to track all of those different touch points. I'll give you an example. Most people do not know your website URL. So if they see your post on social media, if they see an advertisement on social media, the first thing that they're going to do is they're going to Google your company name. And so that's why those, those, Marketing attribution reports, especially when it comes to organic search, can feel inflated. The average website gets about 70% of their views from organic search. And that's not, it, it's not necessarily Google giving you access to all of that traffic. It's all of the hard work that you're doing in all of these different places that can contribute to that inflated metric. So that's just one little example of how you can't really rely or you have to use some nuance and some due diligence of knowing that, hey, this if I'm publishing out to social media and if I'm doing organic search campaigns or, or, or advertising campaigns, then my organic search is naturally going to increase because people would rather Google the company name than try to remember a website address right off the top of their head. So keep that in mind as far as the vanity metrics are concerned. And then I want to I challenge a lot of marketers out there to start thinking from a new 
mindset. And that's marketing to the 99% of people who just scroll social media and they don't engage or like or share at all. In fact, there was this new study that I just came across um, earlier this week that talks about how your content should speak to the 99% of people who are on social media, but they do not actively engage. Andrew Bruce Smith has a great piece on why paying attention to the engagement and conversations on social media is largely a waste of time and energy. Because according to the Nielsen Norman Group, 90% of social media users are lurkers who never contribute. That means they never like it. They never share it. They never comment. They just digest the information. So if you knowing this as a marketer, then I, I, that's a situation where you have to know that when you're sending information out onto these different platforms, the goal is to get somebody to digest the information, not necessarily make a conversion. That's why a lot of ebook or a lot of ebook strategies that a lot of companies are still employing or it, it, it are still initiating today or today and today's modern media market that they're still in, it, getting out into the world and creating these vast ebooks and then putting them out for download and then thinking that anybody who downloads that ebook is going to magically come to their website and make another conversion and become a customer it just doesn't work that way less than one less than i think half of percentage point of customers who ever download or leads that download an ebook become a customer less than half a percentage point so there's a lot of still marketing strategies out there that are sort of targeting towards this old school mentality but keep that in mind 90% of social users are lurkers who never contribute now the reason i bring these things up is because knowing that can actually be incredibly freeing when it comes to your content and, and the, the the content that you want to create. Because then you're not tied to these vanity metrics where a lot of folks will... And, and that, going back to my earlier point where I said a lot of companies will quit after a few months because they're not seeing the engagement on it, but they're not realizing that 90% of social media users are lurkers and they're not going to actively engage with it. So as a marketer, that can be incredibly freeing to A, not only explain to the executive team of the kind of performance that you should expect, but it's also incredibly freeing to know that you are posting information that your target audience cares about and that they will eventually become well... Or they would eventually become well aware or... or Obviously, hopefully, they become, they become well aware of your company and your solution if you're doing things right. Because then when they are ready to buy, then you will win as a company before that user ever gets to Google, ever goes to Google to try to solve that problem of what they're trying to... of what they're, they're experiencing in their day-to-day -day life. So hopefully with your marketing, you are speaking to those problems and you are speaking to those customers, even if they're never interacting with your brand. So... Keep that in mind. It can be incredibly freeing to know that you're not tied to an arbitrary vanity metric. You know, did I get a hundred likes on this post? Well, who cares if those hundred people aren't going to ever do business with you? I would be much. I would be much rather focused on getting those users who to digest the message, and then when they're ready to buy, then they come to me because they already know about my brand. They've developed an affinity for it, and they've developed a certain level of trust that. My company already knows the problems that I'm solving for them. So just keep that in mind. Now, number four, don't overcomplicate this. Now, I've kind of spit out a lot of information so far about building your in-house media company. And it can seem really overwhelming. It doesn't have to be though, because you don't want to overcomplicate this. You could do these interviews and you could 
have these discussions via Zoom. Buy a $20 microphone off of Amazon. For the first five or six years of my content creation career, I used a cell phone. This fancy stuff that you see now is 10 years in the making with the lighting and the microphone and the purple light behind me and a nice camera. This is 10 years in the making. I didn't start out this way. I built up to it. So just keep that in mind as you start your content creation journey is that cell phones have a very powerful camera. You can get great sound from a $20 lapel microphone off of Amazon and it will work wonders. You can conduct these interviews over Zoom and you can hire then that next step. You can then map out your process of as you're doing your interviews and who is going to handle the editing and the social media clips and, and all of that because that will actually lead me to my next tip because... Content-wise, you need to be asking yourself, well, who is actually going to be handling these interviews? Who's going to be conducting them? And then who's going to... Not only who are you having these conversations with, but who's going to be leading up these discussions? So first off, who are you going to be having these conversations with? I will give you a sample plan. Plan to interview 10 people. You could do 5 employees and five customers. And then you can take that sample plan because you're going to be interviewing department heads from your company. And then you have the insight from your leadership team. And then you have the customer insights, which gives you sort of that roadmap, not only for your current marketing and your messaging and you know email campaigns, because you're using the verbiage directly from your customers and how they're talking to you. So if they're talking to you and they're using certain verbiage, can pretty much guarantee that other customers or potential prospects are using that same verbiage as well. So just keep that in mind as far as who you're going to be targeting and having these conversations with. Focus on your top customers and mid-management. Ask them questions about their experience working for you, working with you. I would also get into what they wish you would offer in the future or what they wish you would help them out with in the future because that gives them a little bit of a caveat where naturally, you don't necessarily want to be mean to somebody and tell them where they're messing up, especially if you're on an interview. But you can ask it in a way that, hey, if I gave you a magic brush, what would you fix it? What would you wish that our company would offer you in the future. And that's a nice way of asking, where are we messing up and how can we help you in the future? So just keep that in mind as far as like who you're having these conversations with. Now, as far as who is leading up these conversations, if you're listening to this and you're still paying attention to this segment, then it's probably going to be you that's going to be leading up these conversations. If not, I would highly suggest to have somebody within the leadership team, maybe even the executive team, lead up these conversations. If you're just dead set on not doing any of this hosting yourself, a little bonus tip is to reach out in your local market, find out who the local porters are, who the local radio personalities are, find them, find a good one that you kind of mesh with that you think would do a really good job. And then you can hire them for the day in order to take care of all of your interviews. It's no secret that that local news and local media is on a little bit of uh, a shaky ground. Uh, and the, the future doesn't necessarily look the brightest. Local news is important. I'm not going to say that it's not. But a lot of these reporters, the business model has changed. And so you're seeing a lot of cuts. You're seeing a lot of reporters doing a lot of different jobs. They, you know, they're called multimedia journalists now because they have to handle the research, the writing, the recording, the editing, and publishing these stories. That's the world that I came from. 
I saw where the industry was headed. And so I chose to pivot to where my skills are frankly needed. So you could use that same strategy by finding the local talent within your area and then hire them for the day, pay them a freelance rate. And then you have somebody that likely has access to professional equipment and professional editors. And they know the questions to ask. They know the follow-up questions to ask. And then you can, you can use their expertise where you find yourself as, as like kind of the weakest. But I still would highly suggest that anybody within the company take the reins on this as well. You can still hire talent in order to take care of that for you. But I think it's also important that you want to make sure that you map out what your process is going to be from the research and writing the questions, scheduling the interviews, recording and editing... And the distribution to not only just email, but social media as well. So if you keep all of those factors in mind, that it helps you from a leadership perspective, be able to say, okay, well, I want to do X, Y, and Z. I want to handle the questions that are going to be asked. You might not be the one asking the questions, but you can certainly write them out as far as what you want uh, maybe a local media reporter in order to, to ask them or to ask them to ask your customers and the management team. So you could pick out which processes you like, and then you can outsource the rest. That's what a lot of successful companies, especially when you're building your own in-house media program, because a lot of companies, especially SMBs, small to medium business owners, they're wearing a lot of hats already. And so if you're getting this program started, you're likely going to be the only person working on this. So pick what you like to do and outsource the rest. Okay, so that is... Oh, one last tip for, for content marketing purposes. You need to make distribution a key part of this process. So whether you are handling the interview process or maybe you hire a journalist to do the same, then what you could prioritize or what you should prioritize is getting someone to edit the videos, not just for the full interview, but you want them to edit the full interview and then edit out social media clips. So anywhere from one to five minutes in length, you can have them for each and every interview. And then that is between your full-length interviews and then the customer research that you've done and the social media clips, you have content for all of your different platforms for months, maybe even years, if the conversation is evergreen enough. So doing it right from the, from the jump is probably something that's a little ambitious, but you can follow these different guidelines in order to make sure that you have something that is ready enough to ship because you don't want to wait until this stuff is or your content is perfect because it's never going to be perfect. So as long as you are prioritizing a, a minimum viable product, what's the lowest amount that you can or what's the lowest quality or the the, the minimum amount that you would call satisfy or satisfactory whenever you're going through this media program that you could actually publish live because what's going to happen is that when you say to yourself, I want to start doing all of this, you're probably going to have a brain dump. You're going to put all of this information out into a document and then it might become overwhelming. And so for you to then after that next step of having a brain dump, you need to be able to look at it and say, what's the minimum that I could ship and actually call done? And then once you hit publish on that stuff, then it'll help you get better because then you're going to have to do it again and again. And that's the only way to get better when we talk about creating content. Now, you could take the little shortcut of what I said earlier about hiring the media reporter and maybe you prioritize that once a year. But that also is under the assumption that no one within your organization or your leadership 
leadership team is willing to put their face on camera. And I just feel like in, in today's media landscape, in today's media world, it's such a powerful tool to be able to have somebody that can speak for your company and be the face of your company without the fear that they're going to go uh, elsewhere or you know, uh, maybe you hire a freelancer. You don't want necessarily that freelancer to be the face of your company, um, but they could definitely be there to help you launch a content media program in-house. So then that way, it's valuable content that you're sharing and it maps out your future as far as marketing and products and services that you're offering within your company. So going back after recapping all of this, know the why behind the type of project behind this type of project you're doing this to get those deep insights from your customers because it is going to help your roadmap for the future commit to 6 months of doing this and then see where the project is at and what kind of uh you know response you got from your audience for it did it result in any leads hopefully it did but that's still very early in order to judge the success or the failure of it And then also don't chase perfection because if you wait until it's perfect, you waited too long. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Digital Dispatch Podcast. And if you did like it, I would love if you could rate and review the show on Apple or Spotify. It'll take you like two minutes of your time, but it helps a ton for a creator like me to be able to show that review like a badge of honor. And it also helps the show get discovered by others. If you'd like to see more of my work, head on over to digitaldispatch.io. I've got some new content collections under the resources tab for folks who are freight brokers, truckers, carriers, freight agents, and also a best of collection for how to fix your website and how to fix your marketing. It's all completely free. And again, that tab is under resources over on the digitaldispatch.io website. The website also includes some links to our social media accounts, along with my products and services, in case any of that is of interest to you. Once again, my name is Blythe Bremleve, and I thank you for sharing your attention with me today. Until next time, have a magical day.